This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good morning, you beautiful people whom I love. And I've not, if I've not yet met you, nice to meet you. <laughs> I love you because God loves you and his heart is so urgent for you. And the more we say yes to the heart of the Father, the more our heart just starts beating for that. You can't help it. So um, I'm just like overwhelmed now for a moment because I'm like, Holy Spirit, what a privilege it is to know you and to represent you to your bride, the one whom you died for. So this is such serious business, but there is such joy here because of Jesus, because of a cross that is empty. For no other reason than his love for you and for me. And we cannot afford to partner with anything other than the truth. Because we've got so much time. You've got so much time that we get to practically be salt and light for one another. (laughs) The people that challenge us, the people that frustrate us, the people that are easy to love. You've got so much time. If you're like my personality... You want to go work it out and you realize how little time in a day and a week and a lifetime you have. But maybe that freaks you out, so don't do it. But if you're spiritually asleep, asleep do it. Because <laughs> um, I did it a while back and then I became anxious. And then I was like, well, this is not godly either. So I repented for the anxiety <laughs> before the Lord. <laughs> Let's pray again. Jesus, I just want to declare that I've got no other um, plan or desire right now than your kingdom to come in and through this sermon in this place in our hearts. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Amen. So this morning I'm driving. I, I come from Wellington, Diwax, and we, um, I have the privilege of being part of the, the family there with Pastor Frankie and Niels. And um, yeah, so I'm just sending you and uh, bringing you love from there and um, I've got amazing leaders um, um, Niels was just like do it Marie take revival there so, <laughs> so I just the Lord is busy here but the Lord is busy there and when God is doing something in our heart our desire becomes to bring what he's doing here and give it to somebody else um, so my pastors send their regards and their revival from the church <laughs> so Driving here, I drive past the church where I grew up, and I suddenly remember as a little girl. So my mother taught me the the, the economy. One of the, the like the economy of heaven, of the kingdom of heaven, is coming in agreement with truth. That's how you win the ground. That's how we get freedom. That's how the kingdom comes. You come in agreement with truth. When we are in agreement with lies, um, the enemy wins there. You know, that's a stronghold is believing a lie. So um, my mother taught me, you speak the truth no matter what. So as a little girl, I don't know, I was really small. I'm <laughs> maybe six. And I remember the Sunday morning telling her, I don't feel well. Can I not go to church? And she's like, if you are speaking the truth, you can stay. And I was like, and she's like, what's the matter? I go, fully lacking. I don't feel well, because that, like, you know, covers a multitude of lies. So I am, or like potential, and um, I just remember, like, my conscience, like, eating me up from the inside, and like, moments before they leave for church, I put on that dress, and I go, I feel all right, I'm coming, mama, and, and, you know, and I went to church, and I'm thinking, Lord, how much has changed, because I started getting excited about this morning last night. I struggled to sleep. I'm like, God, I get to preach in your house. What a privilege. You're the holy great God. And I get to know you. And I get to speak. 
to others about you. My friend, there are people in our lives, they are desperate. Some of them know it, some don't know it, but they are desperate for you and myself to speak to them about heaven. They are desperate for our lives, our culture, to point them to Jesus. And that's why this morning's message is called Culture Surrendered. And I, I'm sorry, but I can't call it kingdom culture because then a religious mindset just comes over many of us going, yes, but I'm a Christian, so my culture is obviously kingdom. And what if it's not? What will you and I say to God if we reach him one day and we realize a lot of my everyday life, it matched the world. But Sundays, I, I was in a church that, yeah, they do missions, so we're all right. Or, you know, you've got a mission t-shirt from 2020, 1922. Um, but prophesying for everybody going on missions next year, 2022. So, I'm going to share with you what the word of God says, because he is the ultimate opinion. It's not mine, it's not yours, sorry. No, sorry, not sorry. It's the word of God that is the ultimate opinion. And, and with regards to our culture, whether it is my finances, whether it is my relationships, whether it is the way I dress or speak or don't speak, whether it's who I invite to my house or don't invite, we are not here to hear Mariette's opinion about culture. We are here to go, Holy Spirit, what does your word say? And what do you want to say to me today? Because God's got something on his heart for you and for me today. So I'm preaching at us. Um, I always tell people on a Sunday, congratulations, you get to repent for today what I repented earlier for. That's why I've got a word. Um, so I just, yeah, I want to read from scripture to us what his word is. And then I just want to share one or two testimonies of things that I've um, dis discovered in my own life. And I just want to give us the opportunity this morning to respond to what the Holy Spirit does want to show us in this morning with regards to the culture of our lives, to the life that we live. So um, let us start with the scriptures. So it's culture surrendered. We're going to start from Romans 12, 1 to 2. We skip the part that um, is about uh, different giftings, but you know what? I'm all for fact-checking, especially if you want to check if what I say is based in the scripture. Please do that. We want to do that, whether it's me preaching or someone else. Whether it's a testimony that you hear online or in small group. Let us have an urgency in our heart, but a humility in our heart to love the person, but an urgency in our heart to say, Lord, what is, what is Christian culture and what is you? Because I remember a while back... Um, years ago somebody referred to me as a radical and my heart broke because am I radical to them and in whoever's eyes according to a lukewarm church or according to the word and imagine I believe that I'm radical for Jesus and I get to him one day and I realize I wasn't even swimming in the ocean. I wasn't even up to my knees. I was dipping my little toe there, but I didn't know it, so I couldn't do anything about it. 
Hey? So, um, praise God. Romans 1, verse 1 to 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but, in other words, don't be conformed by the world's culture or even Christian culture or even Shafa Stellenbosch's culture. I don't care. We're not here for anything other than the word and the heart of God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And we continue in Romans from verse 9, let love be genuine. So they're saying, don't be like the world. And then God isn't like, okay, there you go, figured it out. He's like, let me give you a specific instruction, like how you can change your culture of your heart and your family and your workplace to match heaven. Because that's why Jesus died, so that we have full access to heaven now already. How do I know that? Because in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth, here through us, as it is in the heavenlies. That's what he wants. He wants the healing. He wants the encouragement. He wants the breakthrough. He wants the beautiful things, worshiping, worshiping God in the suffering. That's what he wants for us. So he wants to bring heaven down in your family, in your workplace, in your heart, in every part of our life. And he's inviting us, and we get to respond and surrender as much of our lives and our hearts and the different parts of our life to him as we want to. Devil can't keep you from doing it. He's overcome at the cross. And God's not going to keep you back because he's the one that invited you, made you, and paid for you to have full access to heaven coming down in your life and through your life. Let love be genuine. You know, we can just stop there and go over to the ministry with repentance and declarations, but let's continue. Arbor, what is evil? Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing somebody that you honor them, hey? Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Remember this stuff. We're going to get practical just now. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. How simple is verse 15? And it can change a life. It can change a broken heart. And a joyful heart, it can double up when we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, because we can only take responsibility for our heart's condition towards people and situations. I can't take responsibility for the other party that's offended or angry or excited about me. I can only respond to them for me. So, um, verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath 
of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So if somebody is, is jealous of you and they say something rude because they don't know how to cope with the Lord blessing you in an area, you can either respond with, oh, that Jezebel can most now never be excited for me. Or you can just respond and grab something random that is beautiful in their life and you bless and honor and celebrate them because we want kingdom to come in us and we want it to come through us because that's what we were made for. We were made to be his ambassadors as Paul writes to the Corinthians. Or the Colossians. Oh, was a teacher rebuke me, I'm sorry. Uh, we can go over to James. Thanks so much. People on the slide, you saw on it. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that, you, that your passions are at war within you? You design, you do not have, so you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. So the good news about verse 3 is we can actually ask in the will of God. So if you're not sure what to pray, hallelujah, you go like this, Holy Spirit, you know everything, you are the helper, you want kingdom to come through my life, that's why you came, will you show me what to pray? And if we are hung, humble and hungry for God, we will wait. If we are serious about him, we will wait on him so that he leads us to pray. But once again, we've got freedom of choice. Satan cannot hold you back from humbling yourself and being hungry to be led by the Spirit, not just in your speech and in your business, but in your prayer life. Satan cannot hold you back. He's been overcome at the cross. Jesus is not going to hold you back. He's the one that paid for you with his life. So the only one that can keep us from following God is us for we have freedom of choice because true love always gives a choice verse 4 you adulterous people do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with god therefore whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of god or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and let your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So if we can please go to the previous scripture, um, the first part of James. The there we go. Thank you so much. So I remember when I was younger, the first time I, ho I heard, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You're an enemy of God. You guys, I got such a fright, but in my, the core of my heart. And I was like, there's no chance for me. I really want to like people and them to like me back. <laughs> and it, 
and over the years growing in, in relationship with him and his word and his heart, I just started to realize that he's talking about lordship. He's talking about that desire to be acknowledged by this world versus the desire to be acknowledged and affirmed by him. It's a lordship thing. It's a heart thing. Because when you read about Paul saying, I've become all things to all men. He also writes and says, man, don't quarrel about the small things. If somebody's convicted to not eat meat, he says, when you visit them, just say you're a vegan too. Just because you choose the relationship over the law. So, so his heart is totally, the, law, the heart of God is totally that we love and serve the world with our eyes on Jesus and our eyes on the heart that Jesus has for, that, for the world, for that person that is in the world. Because once we start realizing that the reason you know about somebody that struggles with a perversive and a blaspheming spirit is for one reason, so you can love them. Because God says that's how people are going to know you mind, you love and yes, I don't have a fixed manual 1.1, 1.2, 1.3. When I'm in those situations, I pray. I go, Holy Spirit, you said through Paul in your word, all things to all men. Um, you must teach me how to love a person now. I don't want to sin. But I don't want to hide behind religion and not love the people that you have called me for. So friendship with the world is enmity with God. But what it refers to is is my heart's desire to fit into the culture of the world. How I dress, how I look, uh, what definitions of success, whatever it is. Or is my heart's desire to be successful in the eyes of the word of God, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of Jesus, in the eyes of the spirit of God. We can go to the next um, slide, um, the verse five. Thank you so much. Um, it says there to, for us to... Um, where is it now? Verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay? Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. I just quickly want to mention something there. If you and I do not humble ourselves in front of the Holy Spirit and ask him, where in my life do I think that part of how I think is in alignment with your word, but it's not. Because if he does not show you and me where our culture, where the part of our life is not in line with him, guess what? We can't even resist the devil in that area. We can't submit to God in that area and resist the devil and he will flee because I didn't know I'm submitting to culture instead of the culture of kingdom. And that's why I didn't even say the sermon's name is not kingdom culture. It's culture surrendered. Why do I say this? I publicly gave my life to Jesus when I was a young teenager. I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 16. Um, but I wasn't discipled, so I was on fire, undiscipled Mariette. Um, in Bernie's words, he gave us a loose cannon when you came to the youth ministry when I was a student. I'm like, hello? A loose cannon, but the on-fire cannon for Jesus. So um, sometimes we stress so much about people that are fervent about God, whether they get something right or wrong. I'm just like a hundred misses and one bullseye is a lot more than somebody with perfect doctrine that never shoots. Ooh. 
That's for all of us. That's for me too. Don't think that the enemy doesn't try to get me to be critical of younger believers. There's just two teams, people. It's not you and me. It's Jesus and it's Satan. His word says, you for or against me. So what I just want to say is, when I came to church, praise Jesus. I was so excited when I went on this church's first year's camp to see everybody that's passionate about Jesus. I said to him, Lord, am I at the first year's camp or in heaven? Because these people are so excited about Jesus. And I had been excited for a while, but I did not have an opportunity to discipleship. So if you ask me in that time of my life, if I love Jesus, I'd say yes. If you told me in that part of my life, do you have a lifestyle, your beliefs, is it in line with the word of God? I'd be like, of course it is. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I'm born again. Call it what you want. And then I had the privilege of joining this church and going to small group and going to Bible school. And I realized how much of my point of view was not in line with the word. It was in line with the world. But I just took, I just guessed, obviously it's Christian, because I'm a Christian. And I started going to Bible school, and I started having the discussions in small group, in church afterwards. I would come tempt the person speaking. I'm like, come here. Like, you saw? It says here, what does this mean? Or I'd go next door to Volkanov, the res next to me. Abba, who's now the pastor at George, he was still a student. And that's before theology, he was studying um, um, engineering, but I just knew this dude knew more than me. Like later, he was like, Marit, I was only in church six months longer than you. So when you came with those hard questions, I'd be like, "Aye." <laughs> but on Sundays, I would make notes and I'd be like, I have to figure out what this really means because the person was praying for people. So I couldn't ask the person preaching. But you guys, you know who God feeds? The hungry. You can be a Christian a hundred years and stay in your diapers. Spiritually. <laughs> no, people. If we are not hungry, God is not going to force feed us. God says he gives grace to the humble. He, gives, he grows the hungry. He doesn't grow the very anointed person with a title. Jesus is so desperate for the kingdom of heaven to come that he died naked naked on that cross. We draw the lappy on him, the material. He took all shame, all sin, all of the brokenness, every evil thing upon him so that you and I with boldness can come to him on his terms because it's his kingdom. And we want our culture of our lives to come in alignment with the kingdom of heaven, whether it is while I stand at the queue in checkers or at home affairs or while I am driving behind cyclists this morning to Stellenbosch that took both the lanes. And I'm like, they're going, this child is not coming because I need to give this light. I say child because I'm a child of God. Amen. The word doesn't say grown-ups of God, it says children of God. And then, and then I get angry and then I'm like, don't make me sin, I must preach now. And then I'm like, oh, the Bible says be angry but do not sin. And I was like, ha, I'm allowed to be angry. And then I said something rude and I went, ah, oh, I just sinned. And I said, sorry, Lord. And, um, and then I, um, yes, so my, my point is just right there in the car. God wants his kingdom in my heart and in my mouth. Right there in that moment with your spouse where you feel unheard, unknown. 
unloved or the man is like unhonored, whatever it is. In that moment, Holy Spirit wants to bring down heaven. Satan cannot hold us back from his kingdom coming. Not in the workplace. Not anywhere. We have freedom. What will we choose? But you and I cannot submit to God and resist the devil in the areas where our mind is not renewed. In the areas where we don't know that that part of my, my culture is actually in alignment with the word and not with him. So right there where you are, ask him, Holy Spirit, come and show me the places that I cannot see. He's so excited to bring redemption and freedom in every area of our hearts. Right there, you don't wait for the ministry. That's just when we put the um, nail in the coffin, like the Holy Spirit's, like, like when we... Um, Come now, English, work with me. Um, that is just when we like, you know, seal the deal. The Holy Spirit is right here and he's wanting to bring redemption in every area of our heart. Let's go to the last scripture. Isaiah 55, verse 69. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Not consider, no, forsake his way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Listen, abundantly. God wants to pardon the parts of our lives that is representing the world to other people, and not him. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your, way, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than you your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Why am I sharing this? Because you and I need to decide whether his ways and his opinion is on top of everything for us. Otherwise, we will get confused with the kingdom and think it's a democracy. If most of my friends that are Christian say it's okay to curse, then maybe I don't have to have a way of speaking that's in line with what Jesus died for. He died for the curse to be broken so that we would bless. But if I do not understand kingdom, I think it's a democracy. I will just compare whatever I'm busy with, with my friends or my small group. Yes, and if your small group are lukewarm or not going to heaven, you've got a problem. So just be the fire then, be urgent about praying for one another. We can also go like, oh, democracy. A lot of people say it's okay to murder innocent baby. Okay. Ugh, listen, the, the Bible, yes, but grace. No, you and I need to decide his ways are above our ways or not. Because it's a heart thing, guys. It's not even a culture thing. It's a heart thing where you say, Lord, anything that I'm used to doing, and I think that that glorifies you, I want to come laid on the altar if I was right, confirm it. But if that part of my heart, the way I speak, the way I just even think, because you hear, you see the, the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Because what get, gets born here, it's kingdom of darkness or kingdom of light. So we get to say to God, Lord, I want to bring my thought life, my speech life, the way I speak to my friends, the way I speak to unbelievers, to you, I want to place it on the altar. And if there's anything that does not point to Jesus, Please burn it up with your holy fire. Show it to me so that I can gladly repent and turn to Jesus. 
that is his heart's desire for you and for me to run with the urgency, the fear of the Lord and the joy of the Lord in what he has called for us. Whether you are a homemaker, whether you are the one on Sunday morning standing at the door and greeting people. Because listen, if somebody's got a divine appointment to get saved in this community or whichever church you are at that Sunday, but the previous Sunday when that person visited the first time, nobody saw them. And maybe they are not yet secure and they are very unsure of themselves and whether they are lovable. Then it makes a very big impact if nobody greets them. Every part of the body is super important. That's what God's word says. So you and I need to go, Holy Spirit, where do you use me? Hospitality is the arms of God saying, come here. I want to bring you close to my chest, to my heart. But if we cannot submit every part of our life to God, we will think, no, no, I must just get here and, and sit and listen and say amen and repent and then I can go. But what about the person that God wanted to make feel sorry at home through you noticing them? just asking about where they stay, what they do, so that they felt seen and they returned next week for their divine appointment. That's just one example. Last scripture, and that is, um, no wait, I just want to say that this is, I, this is the last scripture, but I want to say something. This morning somebody messages me and go, hi, I see you preaching, um, like go for gold, and I just want to say, I can show, show you on my WhatsApp. He sends that. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. God is here. He wants to bring redemption and kingdom in and through you and my life. I just want to give you one or two um, silly examples. And then we're going to end off in prayer and just give ourselves just a time to do business with him. To respond to what he's, what he's inviting us to right now. Here's an example of something that was in my culture, and I haven't got it down completely yet. I've got my ups and my downs, but I want to share it with you anyway. A few years ago, I was looking at my budget, and I was looking at the request of what the person wanted as a gift for their, um, get the word right, kitchen tea, not the stock one, the kitchen one, ne? And it, but it wasn't for kitchen, because that trend went away. It's now for other things that you wanted. Okay. And you don't know who I'm referring to because I had to go to weddings for a living, so it could be one of 150 people. But that's not the point. It's, I'm not pointing to a person. I'm pointing to a culture, my culture. Maybe it's yours. Maybe you're a bit faster than me and you've repented from that. So I'm looking at the list of what I am to buy for the person, and I'm looking at my budget, and I'm thinking, I'm in startup mode, I do flowers for weddings or whatever, who cares. But I look at the budget, I look at the list, and I'm like, to make this happen, that something that's on this list, there will be nothing for alms or offering. There will be nothing that I can give to somebody that is hungry. But somebody that has everything they need, have everything they need, they just want a new one because they're getting married. So they've got a closet. Let's not say they. Let's go Mariette. This is not about people. This is about a culture. Mariette's getting married. Woo! And um, finally, yay, Jesus. Like a, no, not finally. God's time is awesome. I don't want anything other than his time 
And I'm not joking because Jesus is Lord of your timeline and every part of your life. Or he's not. Just the two options, guys. So Mariette's getting married. She sends out a list. You will give me these new things because I have those things. But my culture says because I'm getting married, I must get new ones. And listen to my heart. There's nothing wrong with giving if somebody's got scissors to give them beautiful new scissors because you're celebrating their new kitchen. I'm not saying that. So don't listen to what I'm not saying. What I am saying is I looked at that situation and I realized that my heart towards the Lord was, shucks, Lord, if I purchase what is on the list for the person, there will be no tithing is fine, but the offering and alms, which goes together with tithing, offering and alms, offering and alms. I don't work here, so I can say this to you, because if Zias and them speak to you about finances, you're like, and the church in finances near, bro. So I can say to you, the word of God says, tithing, offering and alms. I'll just let that chill in the air. What is alms? That is what you sow, whether it's with your time, your finances. No, no, let's just stick to finances, the easy topic. Jokes, it's difficult. But tithing, offering, and alms. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I will have nothing for offering and alms if I give the person a new something of what they already have. <gasps> but you know my heart. And then I was like, yes, he knows it. I see it too. It stinks. <laughs> it's funny. But it's true. And I was like, Lord, how much of the culture that I'm busy with is just in alignment with the world? And how much is in alignment with the word? I'm not saying we must be an orphan spirit. We cannot celebrate people. God is lavish. We must be lavish too. What I'm trying to share is my heart with you that you and I need to go to the Holy Spirit and ask him, where is my finances in alignment with him or not? Where is the different parts of my heart and my life and the way I speak, the way I honor, out honor each other, it says, or, or do you never honor? I don't have to, I'm an introvert. That's great. I don't have to do admin. Oh, I do have to because the kingdom of heaven must come. So I have to do admin, you know. So I want to invite you to just come with me and say in this morning, like, Lord, what do you want to do? And I, just a um, last um, testimony. Tim Tebow is an American football player who married right. He married a South African beauty queen. Yeah, and she loves Jesus too. That's the prettiest part of her. So um, I'm just going to read it to you. This is an awesome testimony with regards to every part of your life can point people to Jesus, like every part of the culture, whether it's your workplace or whatever. But we need to ask Holy Spirit what he wants to do. Like, I can't tell you. I can't give you the suggestions. I can share one or two testimonies, but you and I need to go to Holy Spirit. So, during the 2009 College Football National Championship, University of Florida quarterback Tim Tebow painted John 3:16 under his eyes. So they've got a culture much like with our rugby and soccer, where you can write a certain slogan on your um, on your T-shirt, on your your hand, or you can do it on your face. So he wrote John 3:16 for that football game, tiny, just here, um, underneath both his eyes with face paint. As a result, so he understood he's playing football for Jesus, his kingdom to come. As a result. How many people do you think that, that same day during the game, how many people do you think Googled the scripture, 
John? They didn't know necessarily it's a scripture. How many people do you think Googled John 3. Dot, what did he say in his eyes, lovey? 316. 316. Click. How many people do you think? 94 million people heard that Jesus heard the good news of Jesus. All that efficient kingdom coming, your efficiency with communication. So you can please stand to your feet with me as we end off. So Tim Tebow, and maybe you've got very, um, you know, you've got your own testimonies in your friendship groups and your own testimonies of, of, of what God has done through the different places of your, the culture of your heart, of your house, of who you are. But it's just so precious for me to celebrate that God would, through that man's young man, he was a, you know, it was college football, like, but through his obedience that evening, and you must understand that prior to that, um, he wrote Philippians 3, um, 13 on, on the, the, he was, yeah, he had another scripture the whole time about, you know, through God's strength, and they were struggling, and then what happened was he went, they started winning crazy games because God puts favor on his people. Why? So we can point our lives to him. So we want to be excellent at what we do and our job. Like, we want to be excellent because we just want every platform we can get to point people to Jesus. So he went to the coach going, for that, like, big, big, big game, he's not going to put the usual scripture on. And the coach said to him, you can't, you can't jinx it now. <laughs> He's like, no, we've been winning the games with scripture because there is power in the word of God. So he said, listen, coach, I need to do this. I feel on my heart, I must do this. You need to trust me. And the coach was like, fine. But he was very reluctant. And because of his obedience, 94 million people got to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And we know that most of them heard it for the first time because a lot of people, if they know Jesus, they know John 3.16, right? But there are people in your life that are waiting for that moment where you and I just invite them to the love that God has for them. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.